Check this out. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to set it for you real quick. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. Hey, don't roll it. Hit it downhill. With power, you run it straight downhill. You know where we're coming. And we know where y'all going to be lined up at. Now you just got to stop. I'm saying I'm better than you. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Peace mode is already inside. The doctor is now in. The beast is alive and well. Hour number two. Glad to have you with us here on this thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Don't forget tomorrow, Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, our Friday home, best bet segment, and a whole lot more. Mike Pritchard will be joining us tomorrow. Marco D'Angelo, Double B, Brian Benowitz, always great there. And then we're heading over to Allegiant Stadium for the Pac-12 Championship. Oregon and Utah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Pac-12 now making their home for the Pac-12 Championship game from the football side at Allegiant Stadium. So that'll be fun. And you know what else is coming to Allegiant Stadium? (laughs) The Las Vegas Bowl. Pumped up, revved up, fired up, ready for that. Finally, it's been a long time coming. And our next guest, I know he's been waiting for two years, probably even longer than that, uh, for the Las Vegas Bowl to get in its new digs at Allegiant Stadium with fans. He is John Sassente, the executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl, a great friend of not only the program, but just a great friend in general. My friend, what's happening? Hey, buddy! Thanks for having me on. I, I could actually, uh, I could, I could have sat there and listened to Marshawn Lynch quotes for all day long while uh, while you had me on hold. That was awesome. <laughs> That's how we do it, man. Would you like some Skittles, man? Maybe we can get you some Skittles, man. We we'll get you some Skittles. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if you remember this, but but Marshawn's a good friend of the Las Vegas Bowl. We spent a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, we put him in the Las Vegas Bowl. First of all, he played in the game back in 2005, but we put him in the Las Vegas Bowl Hall of Fame. Uh, just five years ago, and uh, we had him out for five full days. That was that was quite a treat. <laughs> yeah, and from what I remember that too, John, that uh, you had bags under your eyes, your eyes were bloodshot, uh, you, you could barely walk on game day. I remember that. Probably because <laughs> of Marshawn. Game day. <laughs> I, I will say he did he did force me to drink Hennessy, which was the first time in my life I ever had Hennessy. A little Henny. Come on. Come on, Sassente. Come on, Johnny Sack. Go, you got to have a little Henny with me. Oh, that's hilarious. Good stuff. There we go. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch. He loves Vegas, doesn't he? I mean, this guy's here all the time. He has a place here, right? He is here, he is here all the time. And the last two times I, I talked to him or saw him, I just randomly ran into him at, at functions here. Uh, and and he still refers to me as his little Italian friend. So, and I, I don't know if that's just, he just can't remember what my name is. <laughs> well, I, I I heard he said something else, but that, he called you a little something else. But that that's okay. We'll go with little Italian friend. No, I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. Oh, bro, I'm low key faded, bro. Now that's not Marshawn. Okay, let's be perfectly clear. That's nowhere close to Marshawn. Okay, Marshawn's a legit running back, not that ham and egger right there. Huh. Who, who know, was that? That was Ezekiel Elliott. You're going to see him tonight. Oh, yeah. all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, there you go, man. All right, John, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, the new home, Allegiant Stadium, 29 years this bowl game. And it seems like I say this to you about this time every year. Since 1992, when the Las Vegas Bowl was here, and, and just keeps on going. Now it's 29 years and counting, if my math is correct. Uh, huge moment for this bowl because it will be on the biggest stage that it's ever been. Uh, not that it wasn't on a big stage before, but you know what I mean. Now the game has moved uh, back about a week and a half or two weeks. We're going December 30th, uh, 7.30 p.m. in Allegiant Stadium. Uh, for this bowl game, it's, it's huge because it, it increases the reputation I think it's big for you guys as a staff. It's big for you as the executive director. It's huge for Las Vegas. And really, this is probably the biggest stepping stone. You and I have talked about this before, of getting potentially a college football playoff here or a national championship game here. 
Yeah, and 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 listen, uh, TC, that was always part of the plan, and and I do have to correct you one one little bit. This is actually our thirtieth year. Uh, See, so, so I told you my math it, isn't it, right. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 year thirty because ninety two was the first, and so twenty one would be the thirtieth. Yeah. My bad. See, yeah, technically, technically, two thousand twenty counts as a DNP year. Did not play. We had to go do a little research to find out like what happened way back in the days when they had uh, you know major events in, in times of war, and they literally just put on there uh, did not play, and so it still counted as a year. Um, but 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 no game played. So right. we we decided to take the same path and call this year number thirty still, okay. which it is, and and uh, and go. But it is going to be uh, without a doubt our our biggest year. And and to your point that you made, uh, part of the reason when Allegiant Stadium started to get built, we we sat down with the Las Vegas Convention of Visitor Authority. We sat down with the Raiders and we said, listen, we have an opportunity here to do something very unique and very different. And and it, and and the, the the idea behind it was twofold. One. How do we make the Las Vegas Bowl a, a, a big-time event and separate it from every other event um, that comes to Las Vegas? But how do we separate the Las Vegas Bowl from other bowl games around the country? And the idea behind it was was twofold. One, uh, like I just said, we were going to separate the Las Vegas Bowl from others. We, we, we formed this unique alliance with three of the Power Five country, uh, conferences, with the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Pac-12. At the time, nobody had a, a three-conference alignment, especially with three Power Five conferences, and quite frankly, the, the three most powerful uh, Power Five conferences. So, so that was that was step one to upgrade. But the reason we met with the LVCVA and we met with the Raiders on this is we said, look, if if we have three of the Power Five, you know, participating in our game and, and experiencing Las Vegas and coming here and seeing what Vegas is all about. It certainly opens the door, and it makes things a lot easier for that national championship, for that college football playoff, and for everything everything else that the the, the, the three most powerful conferences in college football can open up those doors that they can open up. So, so here we are today. I, I can't believe that we're we're just a couple days away from finally selecting teams. This is our Big Ten year, so we're going to have Pac-12, Big Ten, and next year uh, when we're when we're talking at this time next year, we'll be talking about breaking down SEC teams. It'll be SEC and Pac-12. Which, uh, which, which, right now, um, and and that's obviously not going to change for the next couple of years. We're the only scheduled SEC Pac-12 bowl matchup in the entire country. No other bowl has that matchup. So again, we've separated ourselves from other bowl games and kept this thing unique. Johnson Cindy joins us, the executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl. One of my favorite times of the year is going to this game. Even when it was at Sam Boyd Stadium, you and I have talked about this, you know, before. And you were never shy about saying, you know, hey, you know, we appreciate Sam Boyd. It was great for us back in the day, but you could hardly wait to get out of there uh, because you you did have a lot of limitations. And now you're on the grandest stage of of them all here, and this is going to be. A huge announcement coming up on Sunday. Uh, from an excitement standpoint, John, I mean, how different has you know the weeks leading up to this been for you, and how much more excited are you for the announcement coming up on Sunday? Well, I'm incredibly excited, and I'll tell you, nobody did more hard time at Sam Boyd Stadium than me. I, <laughs> I, I went to school there for five years and saw some bad Rebel teams. I did a year. Uh, with the XFL there, and then I did, you know, damn near close to 20 bowl games there, uh, plus UNLV football games because we used to own the multimedia rights uh, at UNLV. So I've I've probably attended more college football games than than most, or most most football games there than most. Uh, it was great for where we were uh, at that particular time, but certainly uh, certainly do not miss it today. Um, but I'll t- I'll tell you where we sit today. You, you talk about the excitement of the bowl game. The, the community is obviously. Uh, sees uh, what this game has become and, and, and knows that they're going to get something pretty good here and they're going to see big-time college football. Because where we stand today on December the 2nd, you know, we're three days away from selecting our teams. And if we were playing at Sam Boyd, we'd already be sold out. We sold 38,000 tickets to a game that nobody knows who's playing in it. And what that says is we've done a pretty good job over the years creating some pretty fun atmosphere and creating some pretty good matchups. And, and people, listen, part of it is they want to see Sam Boyd Stadium. But part of it is they know they're going to go see a big-time college football event. And they're going to get to experience that. So I, I think the community has, has certainly spoken up and, and, and talked about how excited they are with, again, 38,000 tickets sold, and, and we're not selected until Sunday. Uh, I'm pretty optimistic as to where we're going to land uh, come December 30th. And as far as Allegiant Stadium goes, there are so many people that still have not been inside, you know, the locals that haven't been. But as we've seen, 
you know, with the Iowa State game and, and UNLV, I mean, people want to come and see some big time college football. They want to see big time opponents, and you know, people are will will are traveling. I mean, you're going to see a lot of tourists that are going to be coming in specifically to see Allegiant Stadium. And of course, now with the timing of the game being you know two days you know before New Year's or you know the night before New Year's Eve, that's going to uh, enhance this. I mean, this is going to be a big deal, John. And it may take maybe a couple years for you know maybe the general public to get a hold of this. But you know once someone experiences you know big time major college football here, like you said with SEC, Big Ten, and and the Pac-12 here, I mean this is going to be a hot ticket for years to come. Yeah, we we hope so, and that, and that's the goal is we know we've got to we know we've got to start somewhere. Uh, we know we've got to build it up, and uh, and listen. The, the one thing that we've been preaching all year long—you you talk about for years to come, years to come—it was critical for us to get off on the right foot in year one. Um, I, I think back to to uh, ironically enough where we started this conversation: Marshawn Lynch's Cal team back in 2005, and 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 it, at that particular time, I think a year or two before the NCAA had a they, they put a rule in place that. Uh, not only did you have to average over a three-year period in order to keep your bowl certification, you had to average 25,000 people in attendance. It wasn't an announced number. You had to actually count 25,000 people in the building over a three-year average, and it was a rolling three-year average. And quite frankly, the bowl was was struggling to get to that three-year average of 25,000 year in and year out. And I, I think back of that Marshawn Lynch Cal team that played BYU, and, and that was the first sellout in the history of the Las Vegas Bowl was in 2005. And what happened was when we sold that event out, it completely changed the perception of the game. Uh, the people in town thought it was a big-time event. Anytime somebody gets shut out of tickets and, and they go, why wasn't I there? How do I go? Uh, they were buying tickets early. They were, they were supporting the game early, and they knew we, we went on a pretty good run there. I think we sold out eight of the next ten. Um, but it had to start somewhere, and, and that's what was critical for us is how do we get this thing off on the right foot? and make sure that in year one we have a great matchup. And we've been working really hard, working on the phones. I've talked to, gosh, I've talked to probably nine athletic directors in the last three days. Um, I've gotten phone calls from head coaches. I've gotten phone calls from famous alums. Uh, One of my favorites was the other night I got a phone call from Ryan Leaf. Uh, talking about some old, he, he he was telling me some old stories from back in Washington. The, the connections that he had with some of these coaches that are still uh, in the hunt, and and it's been great. You know, PJ Fleck from Minnesota, what a what a super impressive guy. He called, kind of putting the pitch on it. It's been fun. It's been exhausting, um, but I, I know when we get here Sunday and 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 we announce those teams, uh, I'm pretty confident that that everybody listening is going to go. All right, I can I can get down with that. Yep. That's going to be a pretty good matchup. Yep. And this is fantastic because you're you know usually traveling the country and you're going to these places. You know, usually in the Mountain West, and we always joke with you about that. Uh, going to some of these outposts, and you know you're, you're saying, okay, well, this we're going to have this team when it was the old Mountain West, you know, basically versus the Pac-12, and now you've got the affiliation, like we said, with the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12, and now it seems like, like I said, you are not doing the recruiting. It's like these coaches or these ads are calling you, and they're pitching to get in this game. I mean, how how great is that? Yeah, listen, it, it, it's always better to be the pretty girl at the dance, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's been great. And, and listen, I, I can tell you, I, I, we were joking around yesterday, it was the first time in, in at least 10 years that I had a birthday uh, right. here in Las Vegas. Because to your point, I, I was always on the road getting ready to head to both the Pac-12 championship and the Mountain West championship. Uh, I'm not going to be able to attend the Big Ten championship this week. Um, because of you know the, it, being on a Saturday, I, there's no way I can get back here on right. time for for the Sunday announcement. But the beauty about having the Pac-12 championship in our backyard is I get to still go to the Pac-12 game uh, tomorrow night and 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 see two great teams kind of battle it out. Granted, I I, I don't know if uh, either one of those teams are going to be in our window at the end of the day. They both had great seasons. The winner goes to the Rose Bowl. Loser most likely goes to the Alamo Bowl, um, and then we start selecting from there. Mm-hmm. John Sassente joins us, the executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl. Okay, talk to us about the the process of selecting the teams and who are your targets. 
Yeah, so so the process is uh, we're actually we we got thrown a little bit of a curveball that 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 unfortunately I, I I'm not able to share at this particular moment, but uh, we we had our we had our team selection meeting on Tuesday night with our committee. We went we ran through every single scenario possible. Uh, if if the Big Ten gets three teams up, what do we do here? If the Big Ten gets three teams up and it's this particular team, what do we do here? Uh, if they get two up, what do we do here? Um, you know, the the, the, the Pac-12 teams in the mix, this team beat, beat this team, what do we want to do here? If this is our Big Ten team, who's a better matchup of the uh, – of, of the teams on the Pac-12 side, we, we've got a group that has done a lot of research with regards to, you know, alum, alums in the neighborhood and how far they are away and how many, how many alums they have across the country. Uh, I even had one guy that, you know, we, we have a guy on our committee that's connected to uh, some guys in the desert, and uh, we, we, he provided us with potential lines for different matchups on what they would look like with, you know, over-unders and if this team played this team so we can try to best guess what the best matchup could be, right? right? Like, we were taking all that stuff into account. So we left that meeting on Tuesday with a pretty good idea and some marching orders on what we wanted to do. Uh, we're actually going to have another Zoom today. I, I, I received a little bit more information on a couple of the teams that is important that I share with our group uh, just to make sure that they have all the information and they still want to vote appropriately. Uh, nothing, nothing earth shattering. No coaches getting fired. Nobody getting in trouble. So it's nothing like that. It's 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 more so on the business side of things. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna revisit that today at four o'clock, and um, and then we sit around and wait. We watch the Big Ten championship game on Saturday to see who wins between Michigan and Iowa because that will have implications. We're gonna watch the Cincinnati Houston game because that'll have some implications. Uh, obviously the Pac-12 game on, on Friday, and then we have to watch the ranking show just like everybody else. We don't get a preview of those rankings on Sunday. We're up early, and we're watching TV, and we're seeing who's getting in and, and who's playing in New Year's Six, and then we can make our choice appropriately after that Sunday morning. So by about 12.05 on Sunday, we will have our matchup. We'll be official, and, and we're actually going to be announcing it. Uh, the Raiders have been uh, very gracious as to open up their doors at Allegiant Stadium and allow us to use their, their press room given the fact that most of the media folks are going to be there covering the game on Sunday. Right. So by about 12, 15, 12, 30 on Sunday, we'll, we'll be, we'll be letting everybody know. Well, I'll be there, my friend. Great stuff. All right, John. So for a lot of people, I'll bring you a new sweatshirt, man. You start sending me selfies with bad sweatshirts. I got to upgrade you. <laughs> bad. You're, you're the one that gave me uh, this sweatshirt. I know it was years ago, but there I, it is. I'm always repping. You're, you're, you got a you got the wrong sponsor on there, man. We got to get you upgraded. We got some new black ones here with a little bit smaller logo and a yes. new Las Vegas yes. Bowl logo. So we'll we'll get you dialed in. I love it. This is my guy, John Sassenti, no doubt. Uh, love it. Um, for a lot of our uh, listeners, they don't really know how the the procedure works for selecting these teams. Now, this is not like your fantasy football draft where when you go through all the bowl games, okay, let's see who's up. Oh, let's see, the Las Vegas Bowl. Okay, they're, they're drafting 15th here, that sort of thing. That's not how it works. Go ahead and, and tell us how this is all going to come together where – you know, you actually determine which teams you're going to go after. Is it actually the bids that you send out and then the then the schools say, okay, well, we're going to consider that because all of this drops very, very quickly, and it's almost like dominoes. And, you know, a lot of people think it's it's a total mad scramble. So can, can you paint the picture for us how this goes down here, um, it, you know, within this, you know, out, you know three- or four-hour window after you know, on Sunday? Yeah, the, the the mad scramble is actually Sunday morning. Right now, we we've got all of our scenarios in place. We've got all our ducks in a row. And and listen, I, I can tell you exactly who ultimately is in our window. It's down to four teams on each side. Uh, on the Pac-12 side, um, you have a seven and five Oregon State. You have a seven and five Washington State. Then you have an eight and four UCLA and an eight and four uh, ASU. Right. So so those are the four teams that we've been evaluating. Those are the four teams that we've been looking at and breaking down. Those are the four teams that we've been communicating on the Pac-12 side. Uh, that is that is one side where I don't think a whole lot's going to change. I think we can pretty much narrow in what we want to do. And 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 the process there is at 1155. Uh, I'm sorry, at 1145. Uh, the Pac-12 will call the Alamo Bowl and ask them who they want. And then at 11.55, they'll call us and say, the Alamo Bowl has selected so-and-so. 
you're on the clock and we basically have, you know, two or three minutes to make our selection, but it's a pretty easy process at that point for us. Cause we have a pretty good idea. You know, the big 10 side is a little bit more complicated because there's some games that are still in play that, 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 that come into play and, and affect what we're trying to do. Um, you know, we're going to, uh, we're, 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 we've narrowed that one down to four teams as well. Um, you have, uh, uh, an eight and four Purdue, uh, you have an eight and four Minnesota. You have an eight and four Wisconsin, and you have a seven and five Penn State. Um, so again, none of those four teams have played in our game. Wisconsin is the only one that's played here in Las Vegas. Uh, we've seen what they're capable of doing, what their fan base uh, does when they come to Las Vegas. So, so the Big Ten one, we we will have to wait for to see what happens if Iowa beats Michigan and plays up into the into the New Year's Six. Um, so that game's going to have big implications. And then if, if Michigan beats Iowa, then we have to sit around and see where Michigan State falls with regards to the CFP rankings. If they're in the top 10 or top 11, they may play into a New Year's Six game. And then the third team goes up and plays from the Big Ten. And so now you're looking at uh, the, the, the conference will start calling at 1145. They'll call the Citrus Bowl first. Uh, the Citrus Bowl will make their selection, um, depending on who's there. They call the Outback Bowl second, and at 12 o'clock, right on the nose, they call us Las, at Las Vegas and tell us who Citrus took and who Outback took and tell us that we're on the clock. But again, once we get that call on Sunday, uh, we, we have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen in any scenario. It'll be a very, very quick, easy selection because we've done our homework on the front end. It, it is like a draft. I mean, it's it's, it's like a fantasy uh, football draft. There it is. Okay, we're on the clock. Here we go. Yeah, how great would it be if Wisconsin, you know, fell in? I mean, you, you wouldn't want Wisconsin here. No, not at all, would you? <laughs> you got to love that. Is that, is that you, I take it that's your vote? That, well, I mean, from a, yeah, because from a standpoint of, of uh, you know, all those teams you named, it's not even close on who travels the best. And Wisconsin has a history of coming here, not just for football, but for basketball. And again, they travel so well. I mean, they love coming out here. I mean, it would be a no-brainer. We have saw what Wisconsin does when they come out here and play UNLV or play in your bowl game before. You know what I'm saying? So it's, yeah, I, I, would, yeah, I, could, I would think I it's a no-brainer. You, I could tell you. I can tell you, I did receive a phone call from all the beer sponsors uh, pushing Wisconsin. That's for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure Johnsonville brought to be on board as well, too. You know, no problem. Right on, right on. <laughs> Look, they're, they're, that's a great fan base. Uh, I've been to Madison. I've been to a couple games there. Uh, I've been. I was at the games here. I see what their fan base is capable of. It, it's they are they are they are they are a special group of people that that certainly love their Badgers, and I think if if it doesn't matter where they're playing a game, they're going to show up and they're going to follow their fans. Yeah. I mean their team. Yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I'm envisioning a Wisconsin UCLA matchup. That wouldn't be too bad, would it? No, I, I would call it I would call it Rose Bowl East. There you go. But I, I have a feeling I get a cease and desist letter. You, real quick. <laughs> you, I don't think you can go wrong with any of that. Those are all big time teams, and like you said, yeah, I know you guys are going to knock it out of the park and do a fantastic job. And like you said, you want to get it right this first year, and uh, it, it will be fantastic. Real quick, John, you mentioned again the SEC. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, the new affiliations. So how does that work? I know it's a rotating situation here, but again, it's you're, you're dealing with three team, or rather three conferences rotating every year. So what is on board for next year and the year after? How does that work? Yeah, it, it's really easy. The way the way that we set it up, it was uh, it was even years. We were uh, we were SEC. Odd years, we were Pac-12. I'm sorry, Big Ten. And so unfortunately, when we canceled the 2020 game. We lost one of our SEC years. So this is our Big Ten year. We, we didn't want to disrupt the rotation that we had in place because it does affect uh, a number of other different people. So we just unfortunately lost our first SEC game. Uh, and so this year will be Big Ten. And then next year we go back to the SEC. The Pac-12 is a, is a constant over the six-year cycle. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll have SEC next year in 22. And then we'll go back to Big Ten in 23, SEC in 24, Big Ten in 25, and then we, uh, we we start looking at new conference contracts after that. Do you feel that uh, you would you kind of like are sad that you don't have that the Pac-12 is there every year for you, where you cannot have that Big Ten versus SEC? Uh, no, I'm not sad. I mean, let, let's be honest, right? We are a long way away from 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 the SEC, uh, you know, footprint. We're a long way away from the Big Ten footprint. 
I think it's I think it's great to give them some variety and give them an opportunity to play out west, which is important for them to be out west. But listen, the Pac-12 has been a partner of ours for 20 years, right. and they've been a great partner of ours for 20 years. And we sit right in the middle of their footprint, right? We have how many how many schools do we have within driving distance? We got Utah, and we got ASU, we got Arizona, we got USC, we got UCLA. Uh, you know, a, a really short trip for Cal and Stanford. Uh, you know, other than other than you know Colorado and Washington State and you know the Oregon schools in Washington, we're, I mean we're in the Western footprint. So we we appreciate being out here. I mean, and 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 appreciate that conference, and and we're we're perfectly fine having them all six years. Yep. All right. And yep. listen, it adds some variety to it, right? Yep. If we get to say we got the Pac-12 SEC for us, we don't we you know the Big Ten plays the SEC in a, in a number of bowl games. Right. Nobody has a Pac-12 SEC matchup. We love that. Great point. All right. Final thing for you, John. Uh, what about game day presentations? Uh, how is that going to change, uh, you know, comparison to past Las Vegas Bowls at uh, Sam Boyd Stadium? We're going to do it the same way we always do it. And I'm not throwing stones at any of our friends. But, listen, you, you go to a Raiders game, the NFL does things a certain way, right? It's pretty pretty buttoned up, pretty corporate. You go to a UNLV, they have their traditions that they have to follow. We follow right in the middle because we don't have – we don't have to do anything for anybody. We're a neutral site game. So our goal is to make sure that everybody's having a good time and everybody's having fun. And we're going to make that a rocking party and we're going to make that a rocking stadium because we don't have to fall in line with some of the things that the Raiders would have to do or, or UNLV has to do. So we're going to make that one big giant party. Everybody's going to have a good time there. If we were able to pull it off at Sam Boyd Stadium with the limited resources that we had and the sound system that we had and the boards that we had, just wait till we get here uh, and we get to, to Allegiant Stadium for this game. There it is. All right. Early afternoon, we will find out who will be in the Las Vegas Bowl the first time. It'll be at Allegiant Stadium this coming Sunday, the big announcement. It will be the Pac-12 against the Big Ten. We can hardly wait. Uh, tickets already going fast. The game is December 30th, 7.30 p.m. at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. Uh can hardly wait uh, for that. And uh, happy birthday. I know I sent you happy birthday yesterday via text, but I wanted to say happy birthday. Hopefully uh, you had a great time uh, last night, man. Uh, did Marshawn, uh, you know, come by and hang out with you? I mean, you, what happened? Nah, man. Give us the blow well, by blow. I'm old, I'm old and it's bowl season, so I was really quiet in bed early. But I do have to ask you, do you know what cattywampus is? Like, I have this thing going with my staff where I'm supposed to fit in a random word to all these interviews that we do, and I was given one today that I don't even know what it means. Kenny Wampus. Any no. idea? And I, I don't. I don't, but, you know, I could all fake right, it. Good. I don't feel so bad anymore. I, I got it in, but I don't know what the hell it means. Yeah, uh, I, I think that is the uh, the fourth version of the Caddyshack uh, series of uh, movies. Uh, that's it. Okay, uh, good enough. Yeah, We're yeah. going to go Google that after the show. Yeah, there. <laughs> let's see. I, I believe it means uh, going awry. That's what I think it is. Okay. It means going awry. Going awry. I, I got We just got smarter together today. There it is. Uh, this interview did not go awry. No question. All right, my man. Look forward this to seeing you. This interview did not go cattywampus. There, right. there you go, my man. <laughs> Take care, all brother. Right, Take care. Appreciate Thanks you. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Thanks for all you do. Thank you. All right, John Sassente, great friend. Love the Las Vegas Bowl. Talk about the evolution of this game, where it has come, going way, way back. When UNLV would be... Kind of like a staple earlier on, and then you had the Mountain West Conference, and then you know the game grew and grew and grew. And, and John brought up a great point that people don't realize: to have that keep your bowl accreditation, you have to draw an average of twenty-five thousand fans for three straight years. And going back to Las Vegas in the early to mid nineties, late nineties, not a a uh, easy thing to do. And with uh, you know some of the teams that would would be in in uh, these bowl games, but look where it's gone now. Now you're at Allegiant Stadium. You got thirty thousand, thirty eight thousand seats already sold for this game coming up on December thirtieth, and you don't even know who's playing yet. But it doesn't matter because you're going to get a mid level team from both of these Power Five conferences, the Big Ten and the Pac twelve. I love the Las Vegas Bowl. I love going to it at Sam Boyd Stadium. Can't wait. Uh, to get to it on December 30th at Allegiant Stadium. Going to be fantastic. And looking forward to going to the Pac-12 championship game on, on Friday as well, too. But the Las Vegas Bowl, that'll be bigger. That'll be much bigger than the Pac-12. 
championship game on on Friday. But uh, it's all good. Major big time sports in Vegas. They keep coming and coming and coming. Speaking of coming, the winners keep coming from our good friend Scott Spritzer. He joins us next. Wait a second. Wait a second. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician, Aha. the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, week number 13 in the NFL coming up this week, and then we've got conference championship games on the college side. Looking forward to that. We start breaking them down, looking at it. With our good friend Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports. What's up, my man? Hey, TC, how's it going? Just getting ready for the big weekend. Can't wait to see some of these conference championships. How about you, Scott? You're going to be in attendance uh, Friday. And I know how much you love going to these games. You know, we've got uh, the Las Vegas Bowl. We just talked to John Sassenti. We're looking forward to that announcement coming on Sunday. That is now at Allegiant Stadium, December 30th. And then now coming up Friday, we've got... The Pac-12 championship game between Oregon and Utah. And like I said, I know that you love going to UNLV games there, an occasional Raider game, and I know how much you love college football, man. Am I going to get you at the game on Friday? You know, under any other circumstance, I would be there. I will be sitting here at home watching it, uh, keeping a keen eye on that game, seeing if there's any in-game betting situations that arise. But thanks to, you know, a 1,000 basketball games on Saturday, my rear end is going to be firmly planted behind my desk at home for about 12 hours on Friday, unfortunately. You see this guy? I, he's no fun. I, just, I can't get him out anymore. <laughs> we can't go eat anymore. He's got to work, work, work. He's up all night. I mean, come on, man. But that's, that's, uh, that's who you are, man. That's why you're successful. The, guy, the life of a sports better handicapper is, you know, get that work done. Because, man, when you get behind, which I did on that San Diego State UNLV 8.30 p.m. Pacific time start a few weeks ago, decided to go to that, got home about midnight, and I was up till 7 a.m. working on basketball. And I said, all right, that, that, even for me, the night owl, that's about three hours later that I want to be up. <laughs> I got you. Hey, let's talk about the game Friday night. Uh, Oregon, Utah, Allegiant Stadium doesn't have college football playoff rankings anymore. This is a replay of what we saw two weeks ago up in Salt Lake where the Ducks got hammered by Utah. I don't know about you, Scott, but I'm feeling this is not going to be a replay of uh, the game that we saw two weeks ago. I think Oregon's going to show up, and I was glad to see Oregon showed up last week against Oregon State to, to get him motivated not only for this game, but also for another bowl game coming up here in a few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, if you like Utah in this game, there are plenty of two-and-a-halves. If you like Oregon, there are several threes, so shop around. But, yeah, they played – talk about Utah. They played arguably their best defensive game of the season in that 38-7 win over the Ducks back on November 20th. They didn't gain a lot of yardage, Utah themselves. They actually gained less than 390 total yards, but their defense really stole the show and took over the game. And you now two weeks later, I do expect adjustments to be made and for Oregon to be able to gain a measure of revenge. Uh, they were a three-point dog in Salt Lake, and as I mentioned, now on a neutral field in Vegas, they're once again a three-point dog if you shop around. So uh, it's a situation where I think the line is a little bit too high. I, I thought it should have probably come a pick, maybe one at best for Utah. And, you know, Utah hasn't been anything special away from home. They lost to BYU on the road, San Diego State. They lost to Oregon State on the road. Their only road wins came at Arizona, came at USC, came at Stanford. Those aren't exactly teams playing in Oregon's class right now. So even though this isn't a true road game, it is still away from Salt Lake. I think the Ducks come away with the win here, TC. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I like that. You know, the total in this game is 58. And a lot of people say, well, indoor conditions, college football, you know, maybe a slight lean to the over. But if we go back to this game a couple weeks ago, I granted it was outside at night at Salt Lake City. It was 38-7, to you know, way under the total there. But both these teams have pretty rock-solid defenses uh, in any opinion on the total here? Yeah, I, I just, you know, I, I think it's going to lean towards the under. I do think, you know, we saw both defenses, actually, even Oregon's, as far as total yardage was allowed, was concerned, you know, play pretty good in that last game. I mean, Oregon didn't do anything offensively. I think they'll be better this time around. But again, with Utah, they couldn't even top 390 yards in a game they won 38-7. to So I do think it'll, it'll finish under the number of 58 or so. But, again, I think the better play, and I won't have a play on the total in this game, I think the better play is to take Oregon plus the points. And, and again, grab the full three because they are out there. 
one of my favorite Saturdays because it's championship weekend. And sure, you don't have the plethora of games. You don't have the 50, 60 college games, you know, on the board. And you've got, you know, basically you know, less than, than 10. But all of these games are are bettable, uh, you know, for the most part. And, you know, you can make a case maybe for either side. I want to hit on a couple of them. Baylor and Oklahoma State, 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday for the Big 12 championship game. This one actually still does have some uh, college football playoff implications here because what Oklahoma State did to Oklahoma last week uh, you know, puts uh, the Cowboys in a situation here. And there are some people that still think, well, if Baylor has an impressive victory, you know, you know, maybe they can't get into the top four, but definitely get themselves in a New Year's Day game. Uh, I don't know about you, Scott, but you're usually run into these letdowns after you have the big rivalry game, which Oklahoma State did in Bedlam last week. And Baylor really didn't play his best ball, you know, last week. But I think Baylor's going to show up in this game. Yeah, it's tough to go against a team on a nine zero and one spread run in Oklahoma State. Yep. But Baylor, you know, Baylor hasn't been a play for me yet. But it's going to be Baylor or nothing. And I'm not crazy about the quarterback situation right now for the Bears. They yes. do have some injuries at quarterback, which is why I've held off thus far. And I'm looking at the lines right now, and I'd love to be able to get that back up to six uh, before I jump in. It opened six and a half in a couple of shops. It's down to five and a half. I'd like to get that back up to six. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned the Cowboys. They finally got the monkey off the back last week. They beat, you know, big brother Oklahoma. And that means not only do they have that emotion to try to put behind them and get back to a – decent level of intensity, but they're facing the kind of pressure they've never seen before. You know, win this game and they could land in the college football playoffs, potentially play for a national title. That's a lot for a team that's never been there, never had to do that really before. I made this number three and a half. It's a neutral side game. I'm recommended to play on Baylor. If I do jump on this game, and I'm pretty sure I will before kickoff on Saturday morning, it'll be Baylor. And, again, it's Baylor or nothing. So the fact that I made it three and a half, I want to see how the quarterback situation for Baylor, what they're going to update tomorrow when they talk a little bit about how the injuries have been at quarterback Mohannon a little bit banged up. That's when I would look to make my move. But, again, you know, the problem is, is when that news comes out, you're not going to get six. It's not going to go back up at that point if they're able to be at 100% or close to it at the signal caller position. But, again, it is Baylor or nothing, and I'm with you, man. I, I think Oklahoma State coming off that big win and in this type of pressure that they've never had to deal with, it's going to be tough to overcome for them. You know, we talked about the Utah-Oregon game being a rematch. Well, this is a rematch as well, too, because these two teams faced each other about five or six weeks ago, and Oklahoma State won this game 24-14. to But when you – I watched this game, and it was pretty – one-sided uh, to a certain degree. I know that uh, Oklahoma State had 24 first downs and held Baylor to only 10, and Baylor was miserable on third-down conversions. And actually, Baylor did have uh, you know Gary Bohannon, their starting quarterback at that point in time, and he wasn't good at all. And you know, at this point in time, we started to look at this Oklahoma State defense, and wow, this this team really is rock solid. And people want to compare. The Cowboys' defense to Georgia, I don't know if it's that good because we did see Oklahoma have some success against them last week. But, you know, another revenge-type game. And even though it was one-sided, kind of like the um, Utah-Oregon game was, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Baylor a little bit myself. But like I said, I'm hesitant for what you just said, the quarterback situation, because that was very apparent last week that, that Baylor had some trouble moving the football. And I'll tell you what, TC, I remember that 24-14 game. It was October 2nd. I was in Los Angeles. I was waiting for a concert to start, and I was on Oklahoma State. And despite the fact that their defense completely shut down Baylor, you mentioned the statistics, they almost did not cover that point spread. It was nip and tuck as far as being able to cover the number. They end up winning by 10 points. So I would expect if you can get you know, a decent quarterback situation as far as the injuries are concerned, uh, that Baylor fares better this time around on offense, they'll make the adjustments. And one thing about teams, and, and when you look at rematches, and obviously revenge is an overhyped term when it comes to sports. We know that. It, you know, just because a team's in revenge doesn't mean they come out and get their revenge. But the bottom line is, is they make the adjustments. They're the team that lost, while the other team is like, okay, we did everything right. We're going to watch some game film, what's happened since. We'll make a little adjustment here or there. But what they did worked. 
So you don't want to make too many adjustments if you're Oklahoma State, while Baylor will be looking to change a few things up offensively. Yeah, and you mentioned that game about that was a back. It was really well, not a backdoor cover, but Oklahoma State scored with two minutes left in that game. Uh, they were up three at the time, and that uh, gave them the ten point margin. And uh, Spencer Sanders actually had one of his worst games. I think it was his worst game of the season. He had three interceptions that game against Baylor because Baylor's got a pretty good defense as well too. So yeah, look yeah, at, it was a front door cover. Yeah, and I was lucky to cover, there it and is. I wasn't giving the money back. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia, Alabama. A lot of people, Scott, think, hey, foregone conclusion, you know, Georgia's finally going to get their payback against Alabama because Alabama has had their number. They've been closely contested games, but uh, you know, we saw what Alabama did last week. Thought they were, they were thoroughly outplayed for the majority of the game, and all of a sudden, here comes Alabama in the Iron Bowl against Auburn. And for some reason, you know, this championship pedigree that the Tide have, even though they don't have a lot of star power like they've had in years past, they came back and they got the job done. Uh, how confident are you that uh, that Bama? even though they've been a little bit shaky uh, during the course of this season, can come up here and cover this number against Georgia. Yeah, if you're a numbers guy and you ignore the eye test, then you know how can you lay the points with Georgia if you are a numbers guy and ignore the eye test? You know, they're six and a half. Uh, I saw one shop here in town last night. It was late last night I was doing a show. And a particular book, a prominent book here in town, bumped that up to seven. It's back down to six and a half there, and there are some six offshore that I see starting to pop up. But this number, when it opened, I don't know what it was, two or three weeks ago, one of the books here in town started taking live action. They made Georgia three. It went to three and a half. Then after what happened last week, it's all the way up to six and a half in just about every book as we speak. So again, if you're a numbers guy, then you're sitting here going, okay, I got to look at taking Bama or past this football game. You know, it's been crazy. I mean, it was 3,648 days between Michigan wins over Ohio State. It's 2,250-plus <laughs> days since Alabama was an underdog to anybody. Right. You know, back in 2015 when they beat Georgia by 28, getting a point and a half. It's the most points Bama has received in 13 years of football, which just blows your mind. Uh, first time in 42 years, if you like Georgia, that a team held all of their opponents to 17 points or less. First time since 1979 when Texas did that. And that defense is going to face a Bama O-line that gave up seven sacks last week to Auburn. I look at it this way. When I decided to play Alabama Devils Advocate TC, I thought, okay, they beat Georgia, beat Clemson 10-3. to Clemson had a horrible offense first portion of the season. They beat them 10-3. to They beat Georgia Tech, who's 3-9. and They beat Charleston Southern. They beat Tennessee, who's okay, but 7-5. and They beat Missouri, who's only 6-6 six and six and not as good as the record. They beat Florida, who just fired their head coach. They beat Auburn, who's 6-6, six and six, as did Bama. And then you got Vandy, South Carolina, and UAB, three more teams that they beat. Two best teams Georgia played, for the most part, were Kentucky and Arkansas. And according to my power ratings, they played four teams who rated 18th through 30th in my power ratings. Their average rating of their other eight opponents in the 75 to 80th ranked range, plus Charleston Southern. Alabama played Mercer. They played New Mexico State. They played Southern Miss. But their other nine opponents average power rating around 25th in the country. So if you want to do this and base a lot of this off of strength of schedule, it's Alabama. It's Alabama if you like the numbers. If you like the quarterback, it's Bama. If you like the coach, I don't care who Nick Saban's going against. As much as I like Kirby Smart, Saban is the better head football coach. Having said that, when you watch Georgia against Arkansas, they beat the crap out of them. When you watch Bama against Arkansas, they struggle. The offense was bad against A&M. The offense was bad last week until the final 90 seconds or so. That's hard to look past. You know what I did do? We got the Georgia Bulldogs' best defense in college football. I'm with you. Bama's defense held seven of its opponents to their season lows in yardage gained. I like under 49 and a half. And I say that knowing that sometimes you get these high-skilled games and it sails over the total. But based on these two defenses, based on Alabama's offensive showing, their offensive line struggling to pass block again last week, I think it stays under 49.5. That's a long-winded story to get to the under, but there it is. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports. Check out uh, Scott's place at DocSports.com, and uh, you can get him that way. Um, The Houston-Cincinnati game is intriguing for several reasons. One is people – 
still are, you know, maybe not believing in Cincinnati. And I, and I'm one of those guys. I'm still not sure about Cincinnati because I still have this, you know, vision of them struggling against, you know, the Tulsa's, the Tulane's, and the Navy's of the world. And they played a little bit better, but still, you talk about. You know, uh, you know, East Carolina and maybe SMU are the the better teams that uh, they played. Of course, I understand they have the Notre Dame victory. We get that, but Houston is a team that no one is really talking about. Houston lost their opener, Scott, and all they did is win ten in a row, and not just win ten in a row and the same type of schedule that Cincinnati's faced, but they blasted their opponents. Do you think Houston could be a live dog here, getting ten and a half? You know, I made this twelve. And here's one of the problems I have with backing Houston in this game. They've not played a single team in most people's top 50, top 55 power ratings at all right. this entire year. And you mentioned, you know, since he has had weird games where they've kind of gone through the motions and struggled and you think of Navy and things like that, at the same time, they go into South Bend and they beat the heck out of Notre Dame. I mean, they made Notre Dame look weak. And so, you know, because my power rating's at 12, but at the same time, I'm not sure, again, since he's like Oklahoma State in that they've never been here before. And that pressure can mount if things aren't going your way in the first quarter and a half or so. So because of that, I decided to pass this game. I'll make this one a quick one. If you made me play it, I would lay the points with Cincy. All right. Uh, Iowa-Michigan. It's not the Big Ten championship game I think a lot of people wanted to see as Iowa kind of backed, the, backed their way in there. And this Iowa team is you know, we're, we're very, very disappointing uh, up until probably about two or three weeks ago. But uh, Michigan, I mean, like you said, this is Jim uh, uh, Harbaugh's first victory against Ohio State. Uh, you're still, you know, kind of, you know, you know, trying to come down from the big emotional win, and now you got to get ready to play a tough Iowa defense. But from an offensive standpoint, Iowa is downright ugly. Uh, is this a a game where Michigan could maybe, you know, not show up or overlook, or at least in the beginning of the game, I mean, they're favored by 11 here. And I think a lot of people now, they see Michigan, they go from five to two. And basically, I mean, it's going to be hard to get themselves out of the college football playoff unless they get upset. Yeah, you know what? I, I made this, I power rated this 11 before last week's games. I went back and looked at my old power ratings after. Michigan beat Ohio State and, you know, Wisconsin later in egg and Iowa gets into the title game. So I thought, i got to see what I had it before last week's games. I made it 11, so I get why it is where it is. I did bet on this game. I did take the points with the Hawkeyes. You know, they haven't won an outright title in 36 years. I think they shared the Big Ten title about 17 years ago. So it is a bit of a different deal for them. But, again, you've got a situation where Michigan – you know, they went over 3,600 days without beating Ohio State. Ohio State, and I don't want to take away too much credit from the Wolverines. They were ready to go. But Ohio State committed several self-inflicted wounds last week, and that's something Iowa doesn't do. They're as well-coached as it gets. They don't have the talent that Michigan has. Hell, they don't even have the talent that Nebraska has. Uh, they're just not a real, talented football team on the offensive side of the football but they play incredibly sound, fundamental defensive football. They make great in-game adjustments thanks to their coaching staff, and they take full advantage of other teams' miscues. they got a plus-13 turnover margin. And Michigan, when you're talking about winning by double digits, I want a high-powered offense. This is a pro-style attack by Michigan. That can lend itself to games that end up being closer than they need to be. And then the underdog's been the way to go in the Big, Tw- uh, Big Ten title games. Underdog has covered eight of the last ten championship games in this conference. It's a tough emotional spot for Michigan. I took the, po- uh, the points with the Hawkeyes. All right, can see that. All right, uh, real quick, Scott, uh, hit us uh, with maybe one or two games. Uh, uh, well, first of all, uh, I want to talk about tonight's game. So let's handicap tonight's game because that's upon us here in another hour or so. Uh, the Cowboys and the Saints. Sean Payton hasn't lost four games in a row, but this is not the same Saints team. Uh, questions at quarterback. Now Taysom Hill's going to get the start. Don't know how long he's going to be in tonight. And then the Cowboys coming off that dreadful, embarrassing performance against the Raiders on Thanksgiving Day where they committed 14 penalties for 166 yards. Is it a bounce-back spot for the Cowboys? I believe it is. I didn't bet on this game, and now it's up to six, You know, as high as six. But, you know, you mentioned I throw a lot of those numbers when it comes to a coach uh, like Sean Payton that you just mentioned. I throw them out the, out the door because they're on their third-string quarterback yeah. in Taysom Hill. He's unproven as a guy who can come in and play start to finish for the most part. 
you know, he's unproven on a consistent manner. I did see something, by the way. I almost forgot to mention this. I saw this about an hour ago. You can find over-under rushing yardage uh, as far as a prop bet on Hill of 39-and-a-half. I'd like him to go over 39-and-a-half because I don't think he's going to be able to pass the football, and I think he probably ends up in the mid-40s, maybe high-40s as far as running the football. They do have Kamara back, but, again, the Saints are same Saints team. Dallas has problems with passing offenses. You're not going to see a passing offense in all likelihood when it comes to Taysom Hill. And Dallas gets back Lamb. They get back Cooper, Zeke Elliott, of course, and he's not even the top back anymore on this football team. Dak will be able to have his receivers back in the lineup. So I think they end up winning this game by you know a good 7 to 10 points, uh, but just not enough of a field to be able to jump in and lay that kind of number with Dallas on the road. That it, It's a pass but a lean towards Dallas. Gotcha. All right, my friend. Great stuff as always. Look forward to talking with you next week. Check him out. Scott Spritzer at uh, DocSports.com. And, of course, a great follow on Twitter at Scott Wins. All right, my man. Have a great weekend, huh? And uh, try you too, TC. Get some and sleep. Real quick, yes. Real quick, I caught your uh, show on Frank yesterday, and I just wanted to say that uh, there's not a more genuine guy that I've met in all my years in this town than Frank and uh, the ballpark Frank. And I just wanted to put my two cents in and just say, you know, he'll definitely be missed by me on your show, other shows, and uh, just a, a, a great guy. And so unfortunate, the tragedy that, that he had to go through. And I appreciate that, Scott. He was very fond of you as well, too. And again, you know, sharing all those, those times that we had, not just, uh, you know, on, on the radio, but, uh, you know, at events and, and other things that we were doing. Again, uh, you and I, uh, you know, Frank, been around here a long, long time in this, in this city, and we've known each other very, very well. And uh, appreciate those thoughts. And I know he, you classy know, he, individual, TC. Yeah. He was a class act. Absolutely. All right, my man. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate you. Take care, TC. Yeah, there he is, Scott Spritzer. All right. Uh, speaking of our good friend, Ballpark Frank, I want to thank those that uh, joined us during the first hour today, gave their thoughts and memories. Uh, longtime uh, Las Vegas handicapper, Andy Isco, Jim Gemma with the Las Vegas uh, Aviators, uh, Alan Snell at uh, LV Sports Biz, and our good friend Brian Salmon over at News 3, and Heidi Fang with her very emotional uh, message that she had for Frank as well, too. Uh, Heidi, not just uh, part of the media community here, but her and Frank were very close friends. Uh, Families were very, very close. So I appreciate uh, her for giving us her audio message earlier today. I want to thank T.J. Reeves for joining us. John Sassente, the executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl. And, of course, Scott Sprites are great stuff. Great show today. Appreciate it. And, again, uh, please go visit the website at tcmartinshow.com and listen to yesterday's 3 o'clock hour. Uh, it is on the homepage right there, the tribute to Frank. You can hear the old audio clips. We had a lot of fun with that. And, again, great uh, memories and tributes from uh, a cast of our colleagues, friends, and guests. And that is up on the website there. And you can read our thoughts up on the homepage as well, too, at tcmartinshow.com. Have yourself a good one. We will talk to you tomorrow at 2 o'clock, live from the Cosmopolitan.